If you are a regular at the sanctuary, then you know Tullian often talks about us all being broken people living in a broken world with other broken people. I would add to that doing broken things, working within broken systems, <laughs> um, being broken down a lot. Um, and a lot of people uh, are a little hesitant to accept that truth. Um, a lot of us are resistant to saying, I'm a broken person, to admitting that. It's very hard for us as humans to admit that we're broken because we like to appear strong and be flawless and have everything together and overcome and all of those things that are very um, superficial and frankly false. But Tullian says that often, and um, so we hear it here as a regular diet, that we're broken people living in a broken world with other broken people. What we will admit to, typically, is that we have a broken heart, or that our hearts have been broken. More often, we're, we're readily willing to tell about the ways our hearts are broken, how someone has broken our heart, um, the ways in which our hearts are broken. So our heartbrokenness is something that we will admit. Our brokenness as a human is something that we like to avoid and stay away from. And so we don't have much of a problem admitting that we have a broken heart. Do you have a broken heart? Do you um, know someone with a broken heart? I know a lot of you in here. I know a lot of your stories. I know um, a lot of your situations that you're currently in or that you have been in before. So I know that your hearts are broken. And in some cases, I know why they're broken. And um, I've been a part of your brokenheartedness, and that's a privilege. Um, but why is your heart broken? Do you have marked moments on the timeline of your life that are moments that broke your heart. What are those? If you had to instantly think, what are the moments that have broken your heart? What comes to mind? What are the most heartbreaking moments of your life? What comes to mind? I'll give you a second. Um, it might be something from your childhood. A lot of times it's loved people, loved ones that are lost, um, that die. Um, loved ones that leave you, loved ones that hurt you in a way that your relationship is never the same. Sometimes it's a diagnosis and your dreams for life have changed. Maybe it is something that happens in the world. Maybe it's a pandemic and you see children on the other side of the planet uh, being persecuted. Maybe you see people in a nation being overrun by war. Um, what is it that breaks your heart? There are a lot of things that break our heart in the world, and it's almost so common to say that phrase, well, that just breaks my heart. I mean, especially if you're from the South, everything breaks your heart. Oh, well, bless her heart, break her heart. Oh, it's, all, it's all the same thing. So we, we use this phrase a lot, but it's a real thing. I even Googled um, just the word broken heart. 
a week or so ago. And there's actually broken heart syndrome now, like the Mayo Clinic writes about it. So, I mean, it's legit. If you know, if, if that's on the interwebs and that's on Google, then it's totally a real thing. But it was, um, it said broken heart syndrome. And it said it's unlike a normal heart attack, that it has nothing to do with having a clogged artery. It has to do with emotional distress that's induced this broken heart <clears throat> syndrome. So it really is like not just an emotional, uh, mental state that we can find ourselves in. It's a real physical thing that we, a medical condition now, which is, was kind of hilarious to me. I was just like, that's, doesn't make any sense, but okay. Um, what are the things that came to mind when I asked you um, these things? about heartbreak. What did I, what came to mind? Um, I can honestly stand here and say that I am a broken person living and coping with a broken heart. And I have been able to identify those things that mark those places on my own life timeline that contribute to that. Um, and it started at a very early age for me. Um, some of you may know that my mom had me when she was 15 years old. So I was born to a woman with a broken heart. And I was born into a family with a lot of brokenness in it, functionally, relationally, but specifically people who had been hurt because of the loss love in their life, the, the loss of love, the lack of love. They are hurting because their heart is broken in some way. And I was born into that. My mom was going through her third divorce when she was 25. I was 11. I was in the fourth grade. And I remember realizing that my life was about to be altered in a way that it had not been affected yet um, in my 11 years. I was going to leave the only small town and family that I knew, and my mom and I were going to move, but then come to find out I wasn't going to even move with my mom. I was going to go live with my grandmother for a while. So I was being moved away from siblings. I was um, moving in with my grandmother. I didn't know where my mom was for a year, and it, she was not an addict or off somewhere um, crazy. She was just trying to cope with her own broken heart. And later, finding out, like, what was going on then? What was happening then? I didn't realize that until much later in my life. But kids, especially, um, are susceptible to broken hearts more often than human or old adults to me, just because I think they're so vulnerable and have less choice in the matter. And so here I was, 11 years old, going through my mom's third divorce and not knowing what the future holds. My mom remarried to an amazing man who has been my stepfather now for 38 years, almost 38 years, which is amazing to me. Um, how about redemption for that story? Um, he was my mom's fourth marriage, and she was his first marriage. 
Um, my mom had three children by two different dads by the time that they got married. And my siblings and I were apart now because their dad was different than mine. And so I li- lived with this very, very strong undercurrent of heartbreak from an early age and realized, like, this is normal. And then there were a lot of times that I felt alone in that heartbreak, and I didn't even know as a child how to verbalize that. Um, Trey didn't know what I was going to preach on today, but that last song that he sang was sings to that for me. It sings to the fact that I have never been alone in any of that heartache, in any of that heartbreak, and that is a promise that God has made to us, but something that we are not just born knowing. Um, Someone asked me three weeks ago, it was a lady I was having a conversation with about something she's going through, and she was talking about her heart being whole and unbroken, and then now it is. And as we talked about it and I listened to her, I agreed and sympathized and empathized with what she was going through, but I tried to correct a little bit of her understanding of her heart being whole at any point. She may not have been aware of the fact that she was born dead into a dying world, but that's what happens to us. We are born dead in our trespasses. We are born into a sinful world that's broken. Everything around us is broken, and it is a dying world. We catch glimpses of the things that bring us joy. There was a ton of joy in my childhood. My childhood was actually a good memory for the most part to me, but that doesn't mean there weren't heartbreaking moments within it. And the entire time that I was living with all of this dysfunction, there is no one that I felt closer to me than God. And thank God that I even had a church and knew who God was at an early age. I don't remember a moment in my life that I don't, didn't believe in God. That was part of growing up. I grew up in a small Texas town in a small Baptist church with the choir and the numbers of the hymnals on the thing and the, uh, you know, attendance from last Sunday and how many went. And my grandfather there was a deacon. I mean, the whole nine yards. And I loved church. And I don't remember a lot about what I learned in church except that God loved me. And coincidentally, one of the first people that I remember emphasizing that in a way that made sense to me and just mattered was Tullian's grandfather. Um, Billy Graham was like the Pope of Texas for, um, because it's like the buckle of the Bible belt and Baptist nation. And um, so he was well known everywhere, but specifically in Texas. And I remember him standing there with those piercing eyes and just pointing and saying, God loves you. And I felt like he was pointing right out of the TV to me. And I was just like, he does. He loves me. Oh my gosh, God loves me. Um, And I would run down, you know, for the altar call every single Sunday to give my life to Jesus again, because it was the best thing in the world. And um, I look at that and I laugh, but I am so thankful um, that God was near to me then. 
And um, I didn't even really know it. And I didn't know I needed him to be, but he was. And that's why I chose um, Psalm 34. It's one of David's psalms. I chose Psalm 34 um, to talk about this morning. And there's a verse in Psalm 34, verse 18, and it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit, which is a very, very small sentence in a larger poem. I mean, this is one of David's psalms. And what is funny to me is that he wrote this psalm after he pretended that he was insane in front of a king that he was trying to get away from. Uh, It doesn't make really any sense. When I read that, I was like, what? Um, but David acted crazy, like to get himself out of this jam, which is, you know, resourceful, I guess. Um, I know I've acted crazy to get out of a few jams. Um, and I've watched some people act crazy to get out of some jams, but, um, so the fact that he writes this poem and then it's really a reminder for himself and anyone who would read it, all of the things in Psalm 34 that God does for us is a reminder to us of what he does. And it's not just a reminder, when I read it, I'm like, this is not just a reminder of what God does. It's what God does when we act crazy because that's what he had just done. And he knew that God was with him and near to him. And in this passage, it's, it's all present tense. So it says, the Lord is near right now. He's near. It says, and saves the Christian spirit. All of this is present tense. All of this is right now, which that struck me. It wasn't, it didn't say he was near to the brokenhearted. He is near to the brokenhearted. He wrote this in a way that made it relevant to you right now. Whether you are brokenhearted because of something someone else has done or their life choices or because of what you have done to break the hearts of other people. Because I understood being brokenhearted from outside of me. But when I discovered what breaking someone else's heart means, that made it different. That made it different. I told you earlier that we moved. My mom divorced and remarried She remarried right before I started sixth grade. And so we moved to a new town. It was a much bigger town. My school was bigger. I had to meet all new friends. It was um, just everything was new. I had a new stepdad I didn't know. Um, We lived in a tiny apartment. Life was just completely different than what I had grown up the first 12 years of my life with. Um, We moved again my freshman year. My heart broke again. I'm leaving all my friends. I mean, I know many of you, we we have discussions with you when you're um, dealing with your children and life decisions and you don't want to move them from a school. I feel that. And I feel that as a student. I feel that as a child not having any choice and being moved when you don't want to move and relocate when you don't want to relocate, but it happens. I have to say, moving both of those times was the most amazing things that ever happened to me. Um, In high school, all four years of my high school, in a brand new school, 
mind you, that was even bigger. I had several hundred people in my class, not just in my school. And I was a part of every group. And I was an honor student. My mom worked at my high school all four years. She was very proud of me. I was going to be the first person. I'm the oldest grandchild. I was born in a, a family and made five generations in my family. So I was not pushed to perform, but I was I was cheered on and I was supported and I was loved and I wanted to make my family proud. Um, I was excited about school and life and my future and college. I played basketball from the age of 10. I loved basketball. If you don't know that that's one of my loves, it is, which is a weird thing, but it is. And I loved playing and I planned on going to college to play and uh, pursuing a career in interior design and coaching, the things that I love to do. And right after I graduated high school, I found out I was pregnant. And my entire world stopped. Everything that was moving forward just came to a screeching halt. And I instantly thought of my parents I instantly thought of my mom specifically because she worked so hard to keep me safe, to keep me in the straight and narrow, to make me follow the rules, to keep me safe because she didn't grow up feeling safe. And so she wanted better for me, which most parents do for their children. And I remember um, thinking, how in the world am I going to tell my parents this how am I going to share this news? I, now I'm not, I'm not going to use my scholarships to go to college. Um, she was so proud that everybody in my family was proud that someone in our family graduated high school. That doesn't sound like a really big feat, but when you come from a family like I do, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal, um, and it meant a lot to everybody. And now I was crushing part of their dreams for me, their hearts were breaking because I had broken it. And knowing that I was going to face my mom at some point just tore me to pieces. I could hardly think about um, her reaction and the letdown that I had introduced into her life. And I had planned on not telling her. I mean, I was trying to think of everything I possibly could. I was going to run away. I considered abortion and I was not aborted. My mom had me when she was 15 in 1973. So Roe versus Wade was, had just happened. So my mom even had the choice to do that. I thought of everything under the sun to get away from this problem. Anything that I could do that I could just get away, just run away from it. But there was nothing to do except face the truth of this. Um, I had a friend that called my mom and told her behind my back. Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody's murmuring right now. I know online you can't hear that. But there's like a, a hush and a murmur. Um, and I was waiting in my room um, this particular night, and I had a light that was near my bed that was dim, and my door was kind of halfway closed, and my mom came in, and I was just sitting there just paralyzed in fear, wondering, how am I ever going to tell my parents this? And I need help, and I need anything right now. 
and I felt alone. Back then, it wasn't a popular reality TV show to be a pregnant teenager. Um, it still was very taboo and something that is not okay and looked down upon. And so friends immediately scattered. That was not um, something that they wanted to be around because usually when you're doing the same thing and you don't want to get caught or you don't want to be associated with the, the pariah or the person that is um, doing the thing that you might be doing but you don't want to get caught, well, you leave them. And, and I understand that. But my mom walks in my room and just this enormous amount of fear overtook me sitting on my bed. And she walked in and she sat on the bed next to me and she looked at me and my mom was, she's, she's a hard one. She's a pretty hard one. So I, the fear of the Lord was in me for her to sit on the bed next to me. Um, she did not uh, spare the rod, um, if you know what I mean. So growing up, I was not abused, but I was disciplined. So I had this fear that was overwhelming. And my mom came in and she said, Sean called me. I know. And I looked at her just like trembling and starting to cry because I was just scared to death. And she said, she opened her arms and she hugged me and she said, why didn't you tell me? Who better would understand than me? And she gave me this hug that was one of the most powerful hugs I've probably ever had in my entire life. And probably one of the most needed hugs I needed in my life so far. It was one of those embraces that pulled me near uh, in a way that I needed to be pulled near. It pulled my broken heart near to hers and made all the difference. And I remember that night, she just on top of the covers like cuddled up to me because it was near time to, like, to go to bed. And she slept in my bed that night with me, just kind of holding me. And she was near to my broken heart. And she saved me in a way that is just a tiny glimpse of what this scripture means, um, that he's near to the brokenhearted and that he saves the crushed in spirit. And my parents were absolute stalwarts in their support of me and their um, love to me. Like I have it today. We just came back from Texas and as we were leaving and my mom my mom sees crying for the most part as weakness leaving the body you know she, so she's not a big crier but she will cry i know how to get her to cry too um but she's not a huge crier um she's crying right now she's watching but um when we were about to leave uh we were getting ready friday morning and i was in there getting some coffee and she was standing in the kitchen because we stayed at their house in Texas. And she said, just as soon as I get used to you guys being here, you have to leave. And I agreed with that. Living with an undercurrent of brokenheartedness is hard. Being far away from people that you love is hard. Um, and the reason our hearts are broken is because there is love there. If there wasn't, then it wouldn't matter 
you wouldn't even feel brokenhearted in that way. Um, that was the first time I felt that I broke someone's heart. And I was, I got this love back that was just undeniable and amazing. And I never wanted my children, if I had any, to ever feel that. I never wanted to break their hearts. I never wanted them to feel that brokenheartedness. I wanted to protect them from that if I could. And we try as parents, your parents tried to protect you from that, I hope, in some way. And if they didn't, then that is part of what, what helps you probably not hurt other people. Um, but when my son was born, this child that I just said I found out I was pregnant with, it was a son. It was my oldest son. Um, he will be 30 in November, which is crazy. So this was 30 years ago that this happened. Actually, like right now, 30 years ago, right now, that that incident with my mom and finding out I was pregnant happened. It was 30 years ago. Um, and the moment that my son was born, all the women in my family were there at the hospital. And the moment that he was born, he was literally legally taken out of the delivery room. And I didn't see him for seven days. And that was a huge shock. And that is a huge story for another Sunday morning. Um, but I didn't know heartbreak in that way until that moment. And to fight for your child is a different kind of heartbreak than to console your mother that you've hurt. And that began this long journey of trying to uh, just avoid every heartbreaking feeling that is overwhelming to a person, especially a parent. You all have parents. You may not all be parents, but you all have parents. And there is a heartbreak that parents live with that is just going to be there because your heart breaks for your children for all different reasons, for all kinds of reasons. Um, but when Cole was taken from me, I had not even yet had time to love him or touch him. And my heart was broken because my child was taken away. And I think about um, God in these moments. These are ways, sadly, that God used to explain himself better to me. Um, he is a father. He is our father. And um, the moment that we were taken away from him, the moment that we turned away from him, the moment that we broke his heart with our choices and our sin and the world and what goes on, um, he draws near. He draws near. He drew so near that he sent his son to literally become human, be so close that his, he could be flesh, that he could be near us in a way that he could know what it is like to be human. So close that I know exactly how you feel now. Like not just a God from afar that says, I love you and I'm for you, I'm rooting for you, but he draws near in a way that is unbelievable. And we're the person that broke his heart. We're the, we're the culprit. We're, we're the culprit here that put his son on the cross. We put Jesus there. 
in a way. He wouldn't have had to do that had we not sinned. And his choosing to draw near to us in that way, I I love you so much, this is how close I'm going to draw near to you. I'm going to hang on a cross and I'm going to die for every heartbreaking thing you've ever done or that's ever been done to you. And that's what I'm doing. That's how near I am to the brokenhearted. That's how much I want to save the crushed in spirit. And that is something that is very difficult for us to really grasp unless we understand heartbreak here in our own human life. And for many of us, um, that looks different. I'm not unique in my suffering or heartbreak. Um, My details may be unique, but I'm not unique to suffering or heartbreak. Um, And neither are you, and that's a good thing. Um, If you had some sort of ailment or symptom and you went to the doctor and the doctor's like, I have never seen anything like that in my entire career. I don't know what to do for you. There's no, there's no diagnosis and there's no cure. I have no plan of um, treatment for you. I'm sorry. I got nothing. I've never seen that. That would be terrible. You'd be like, well, now I'm just stuck with this and I have nothing. I have no way of having relief or maybe getting to another place in this sickness that I have. But this is not true for us, is it? Our suffering has been seen. Our... Um, heartbrokenness is known. And this is not a unique to me symptom. It is not a unique to you symptom. It is something that is universal to humanity. Um, Suffering is part of humanity. It's part of all of our lives in some way. And if you haven't encountered much of it, well, buckle up because it's coming. And, um, And someone in your life will be able to draw near to you when your heart is broken. God will place somebody in your life that will be there to help your spirit that is crushed. There's a song, I think it's from 1966, maybe. Um, It's a Motown song, and I I like Motown music. And... um, I got to find my lyrics here. It's Jimmy Ruffin. Does anybody know Jimmy Ruffin? And What Becomes of the Brokenhearted? Great song. This is great. Brokenhearted. What Becomes of the Brokenhearted by Jimmy Ruffin. As I walk this land with broken dreams, I have visions of many things. But happiness is just an illusion filled with sadness and confusion. What becomes of the brokenhearted who had love that now departed? I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind, maybe. That's one stanza. And I love how he takes it on himself, which we often do. I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind, maybe. The roots of love grow all around, but for me, they come a-tumbling down. Every day, heartaches grow a little stronger. I can't stand this pain much longer. I walk in shadows searching for light, cold and alone, no comfort in sight, hoping and praying for someone to care, always moving and going nowhere. What becomes of the brokenhearted? Who had love that's now departed? I know I've got to find some kind of peace of mind. 
I'm searching though I don't succeed, but someone look, there's a growing need. Oh, he is lost. There's no place for beginning. All that's left is an unhappy ending. Then the refrain again. Now that is sad because he's looking to mend his own broken heart. And if anybody in here has been able to do that, let me know. I also Googled ways to mend a broken heart. Um, and there are like, you know, 10 ways to mend your broken heart, five ways to get over it quickly. And um, there's like, <laughs> there's all this information about what to do for your broken heart. So it's a problem. It's a real, it's, it's a pandemic. Um, it's a real problem. And um, we often look inside ourselves to mend it and fix it and heal it and help it and soothe it. And it never works. That never works. Um, looking to ourselves to fix that never works. Um, which is why when I said earlier, we have a God that draws near to us, whether we have been the person to break others' hearts or our heart has been broken by someone or something in this world. It's amazing that no matter which one we are, God draws near to us. He doesn't qualify anything in this psalm that says, if you're the one that's been hurt by somebody, your heart has been broken by someone, I'll draw near to you. But if you're the one that's broken somebody's heart, I'm going to have to pass. Hard pass. He doesn't say it. He's Near to the brokenhearted, period, hard stop, the end. It is you, no matter if you've been the heartbreaker or the heartbroken. And that is something that is encouraging to me and I need reminding of. Um, when we were in Texas, one of my hopes was that we would get to see both of my sons because they both live there. My oldest son, Cole, lives in Austin. Like I said, he'll be 30 in November. He's single, living the dream with his dog and his, you know, forerunner and playing volleyball and doing his thing. And then my youngest son, Hunter, lives about an hour south of Houston. He's 22. And I really wanted to protect my children from experiencing uh, a broken family and a broken heart in some of the ways that, that I experienced, but I didn't, I didn't um, succeed at that. Um, I never married my oldest son's dad. I married my youngest son's dad when I was 20. My, Cole was about a year and a half old when I got married, my oldest son. And I ended up getting divorced. I had built what I hoped would be like that home that they could all always go back to in the middle of a hundred acres. And like, that's going to be your forever home. And you'll always be able to go back to it. Um, your mom and dad will always be there. You'll never have to experience brokenness, um, fractured families. Like you're not going to have to deal with that because I'm going to not, I'm going to make sure that you don't have that. Um, but I failed at that royally, um, terribly. And I watch as my son's age, that was in 2005 that that happened. So it's almost 20 years ago um, that I was divorced and ushered this heartbreak, this new heartbreak into my children's lives, knowing that they would be filled with it regardless if I ever 
did anything myself to hurt them. Um, but I did. I ushered this into their lives. And I see that now today still how it affects them. There may be a reason that my 30-year-old is not married. And it may be because of the heartbreak that he witnessed in his mom's marriages. Talina's my third marriage. So heartbreak is something that is um, so present in my vision every day. Um, because I see the people that I've hurt because of that heartbreak, and I feel it. Um, and that's the real problem with heartbreak, is that we feel it. We can't necessarily do things to um, undo anything, um, and we can't go back and fix or um, unbreak a heart, but we can um, cope with it and learn to live with it, and we can draw near to those that are brokenhearted. And sometimes that's a really tough thing to do. And with my youngest son, I really, I've talked about him before, and he, um, his, his brokenheartedness is very to the surface the last few years, which breaks my heart. And so it's just this, you know, perennial, perpetual, painful thing that goes on and on. And, um, Tully and asked before we went to Texas, well, what plans have you made with your boys? And I said, none because I, I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want them to feel um, pressured to visit. My oldest son, Cole, lives four hours away from where we would be, because in Texas, you know, everything's four hours away. And so, <laughs> I mean, I was almost closer to him here in Jupiter. No, I'm just, um, uh, it's far. It's hard to fit everybody in in a short span of time. So my oldest son, I have seen, I saw him in February, but I didn't get to see him this trip. And, um, but my youngest son, I didn't, I just told him that we would be there. And I hoped that maybe he would say, Hey mom, I'm going to drop in and like, we could have coffee or lunch or dinner or anything like that. Something like that. Um, but he didn't, he was busy with his, his dad's family and his girlfriend and doing things that he wanted to do. And I was just starkly reminded of that. It's almost been four years since I've seen him. And it is heartbreaking to know that you're so close to seeing somebody and then you don't. Like you're geographically close and then you can't. And it's really due to his own broken heart and his own inability to deal with what that means for his life. And I know that. So it gives me compassion for him. It gives me um, some measure of consolation so that I am reminded God is near to me. Even if Hunter, my son, is not going to draw near to me. God is. God is near to me and my brokenheartedness, and I know that he's with Hunter. And I know that one day he will make all the sad things come untrue. And that may not be the sad of heaven. And I also know that. That's a reality. I can see that that could be true. Um, but I know one day it won't be true anymore. I know those sad things will be gone. I know that heartbreak will be no more. And I can't wait for that day for all of us. Um, Talene and I have joked many times about um, when we first were dating and got married and I would pray and I would say things like, come, Jesus, come quick and in a hurry because I'm ready to go. And um, he was a little bit offended 
when I would pray that because he's like, you don't want to spend time with me. You don't want to be married with me. What's going on? Why are you trying to get away from me? And, um, had nothing to do with wanting to be near him at all. It was, um, not wanting to live with a broken heart. Um, in 2017, we lived in Fort Myers. We just moved there from Texas, which broke my heart. Um, moving from there broke my heart because that's my whole entire life and everybody I know. And so it was a really hard move. And it had been a really hard season for Tullian because he was going through his own broken heart and he was wrestling and struggling with all the things that come along with that. And, um, you know, providentially, our lives collided when that happened. So it's like... Um, here are two broken-hearted people uh, that God brought together to um, navigate life. And we were in Fort Myers, and our dear friends Paul and Mary Zoll had come to visit. And um, I was going down the elevator with Mary Zoll. And Tullian was going to come down with Paul, and I was with Mary, and she knew she was one of my closest and is one of my closest confidants, and she knew every step she and Paul knew every step of our relationship, dating and um, early in our marriage. And uh, Mary, as we were going down the elevator, she said, she was holding my hands and she said, Stacy, how can I pray for you? And I had, I was crying and I was just like, I didn't even know where to start. I didn't even know what to say for her to pray for specifically. Like, well, I'm having the, and I, I had no list. I couldn't even come up with like words to say. And I just looked at her. I said, just pray for my broken heart. Like that, that covers all of it. Just pray for my broken heart. And she just squeezed my hands and she said, I will. And she did. And I believe she still does. Um, and in that moment, it was a reminder again that God draws near to the brokenhearted, that that matters to him. And it matters so much to him that he did give his son to come mend the hearts of the people who did the breaking. Like he, the heart maker came to the heartbreakers. <laughs> I mean, this is what has happened here. And it's amazing. It is unlike any other person who draws near to us. It is nearer than the breath we need when we are breathless in those moments. It is, he is that near. He is nearer than our very breath, which is hard to understand until you don't have a breath. And then you think God is right there. He is right here in this when I can't catch my breath, when I am ugly crying on the floor, when I am uh, in a dark place that I can't seem to find my way out of. He is there. He draws near to the brokenhearted. Jesus endured a broken heart. He knows what it feels like to get heartbreaking news. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed to watch the broken world around him suffer, dive deeper into chaos. He knows what it feels like for people he loves to make terrible choices that usher in even more heartache. He knows what it's like to feel sorrow, to feel anguish, to feel crushed in his spirit. Remember in the garden when he is praying before he's crucified and he's praying and 
He's praying and so sorrowful and so in anguish that it says he cries tears of blood. That's some hard crying. Jesus knows what it feels like to be hungry, to feel physical pain, to feel lost, to feel misunderstood, to feel the things that break our hearts. He knows this. He came here to experience that and deliver us from this. He is the man of sorrows. He is closer than our very breaths. He knows what it feels like to be forsaken, to feel forsaken. He knows what it feels like to be alone in his heartbroken state. He knows you. He knows your broken heart better than you do. Those things that mark uh, your timeline that have broken your heart, he knows those things and knew those things before they even happened. He knew you would need someone that would draw near to your broken heart. He knew that you would need saving from a crushed spirit. And he did that before you needed it. And he does it now like this verse says, God draws near, right now he is near. And I pray that today, not just David in the aftermath of his pretending to be insane, um, brokenhearted poem that he writes reminds you of this, but I pray that, that God reminds you of this in those moments that you need to be reminded, that he is near to you, that you are not alone, that he is, has already saved your crushed spirit, and he will continue to do so until he comes back. Let's pray.